Lunchtime Live on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. When my mom was sick, I tried to start cooking to help out. But she was always like, no, go study. She never wanted me to do anything homemakery. I wasn't going to be a housewife. I was going to be a doctor. Well, not this kind of doctor, obviously. Ever been uh, on the cover of a newspaper for having inflicted harm on a large group of people? It's like it's it's like Pol Pot and Stalin and me. It's listen. We're almost out of time, and since this is your daughter's session, I'm going to move on to her now. If that's okay. Of course. Want some? What is it? Poison. That's uh, The Chair. All episodes of uh, season one now streaming on Netflix. James MC uh, joins us once again because I suppose we're reaching peak telly now. There's uh, loads of good stuff coming along uh, all at once. So uh, tell us a bit about the pedigree, I suppose. all the A lot of the shows we're going to be talking about yeah. in the next few weeks. Yeah, well, this one has comes with real pedigree, right? So it's created by Amanda Peet, who is an actress and playwright in her own right. And produced by David Benioff and D.B. Weiss of Game of Thrones fame, which to me seemed like an unlikely <coughs> marriage until mm. I read that Amanda Peet is married to David Benioff. So. <laughs> OK, so a very likely marriage. <laughs> yeah, right. But uh, it also has a big, big name cast in that it uh, has Sandra Oh as Ji Yoon Kim, who is the in, right at the very beginning has been elected the chair of the English department at this uh, made up, not Ivy League, but not far beneath that university mm. Somewhere in a cold part of America. And you have Jay Duplass <laughs> of one of the Duplass brothers, uh, who's an, another one of the lecturers. Bob Balaban, who is a very kind of well-known character, comedian, actor, plays other lecture, another like professor. And Holland Taylor is another one. And really, it is just six very short contained episodes about this uh, Korean-American chair of the English department and how she arrives, you know, having earned this position, this incredibly p- prestigious position and immediately feels like she's been handed a lemon because it's also about contemporary, you know, academia, right? About the role of women, about the role of gender identity, about the role of uh, racial identity, about the role of even celebrity uh, lecturers coming in at some points. And I have to admit, I it grew on me, right? Mm. So I, I absolutely wanted to love this right from the beginning. Yeah. Right? It is this beautiful, glossy, stylish, well-made thing with has lots of people I like in it, right? So a good start to begin with. The trailer gave nothing away. It was actually the opening scene where she literally comes in and her chair collapses, which is, I guess, a metaphor for the whole thing. Mm. But but it was. <coughs> but Sandra O oh has just this great acting face and and you can watch her do kind of anything right so you know but then I I sat down to watch it and the first episode was like okay it was not by any means a knockout and I thought it really uh, got good towards the end certainly the final two episodes pick up the pace an awful lot it's not that the first four are bad and also the whole thing is only three hours combined so like this is not a difficult journey to go on but I thought where it was at its weakest was in its understanding of young people and young students. It was, mm-hmm. you know, it it, it takes this uh, kind of like cancel culture subplot in a way that I think is quite um, uh, chiding of of the young people who might engage in cancel culture for whatever reasons, right? It, it, whereas it's very sympathetic to the professors be, for whatever reason they are being f- focused on. So, for example, you have a, a plot with Holland Taylor as one of these older 
professors who feel like they're on a hit list because they're, you know, 70 plus and, and they got into academia because this wasn't a career you age out of. Yeah. But they feel a target on their <clears> back. <throat> and some of her scenes are incredibly funny. I mean, I <laughs> I know her from like uh, Romancing the Stone was, you know, a childhood movie of hers. <clears throat> but she has gone on to be in like Two and a Half Men and... Uh, Boston Public and all these kinds of shows and and is this working kind of character actress and this is probably her finest role. She's really, really, really excellent in it. Okay. I also think the subplots involving um, uh, Sandro's daughter who's played by Everly Cargania uh, as Juju who is an adopted American or Mexican uh, child who is her adopted daughter. Uh, This is a really excellent child performance where she's playing this kind of slightly strange, unusual, oddball character who is very, very watchable. I mean, that is down usually to really, really good direction because, you know, how much intent and how much, you know, how much Uta Hagen Mm. (laughs) she brought to the scene. Probably not that much. Mm. But uh, her scenes are incredibly funny and well, uh, well thought through, well cast, well acted. And anytime she's on screen, she almost steals focus from everyone else. And when I'm saying everyone else is Sandra O and J2+, that is really saying something. So all in all, I watched it pretty much in, like in, in one day, one sitting. Very easy to do that. And uh, and certainly, uh, it, you know, by the time it wrapped up, it had it, I, it had grown on me significantly. And all the doubts that I had at the beginning were pretty much put to bed. Right, because well, we were saying just before it came on air about the White Lotus and how, you know, the, the murderer gave it a story arc. Is there, other than Asian woman becomes head of English department, is that it? Or is there any kind of... So, yeah, there are a number of plot points. So, uh, so you have Sandro trying to navigate her new professional milieu, right, amongst her colleagues who uh, she was once peer of, peers of and is now essentially in charge of. Then you have her interactions with the dean of the university and his expression that he wants her to basically get rid of three members of staff and how she's going to mm. navigate that. You also have enrolments down in the English department and what does it mean for, you know, what does it mean in 2021? Should you study Chaucer when you like when or, or should you study a STEM subject and how they navigate yeah. that? And then Jay Duplass is playing this sort of very, very popular modernist professor who uh, whose wife has passed away a year ago and he's a bit miserable because of that, fairly understandably, and how he is navigating his sort of widowerhood in, in the modern world and how he interacts when he makes this faux pas in class that goes viral and <laughs> leads to a hasty cancelling. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah. And it seems also from what you're saying it's very much from the point of view of the older members of the cast and, and that cancel culture is this kind of foreign thing rather than the, it, it's necessarily giving you much... Yeah, understanding no, it is, of it. Well, certainly they are. Look, it, it is. It, it is definitely about the professors. It's not about the students. If you want to watch an American, you know, university-based treatise on what it is to be a student, watch uh, Dear White People, which is also on Netflix and is also mm. really, really, really good. This is about. <laughs> I'm reluctant to say the adults in the room. This is about the <laughs> the, the, the tenured professors or those yeah. trying to get tenure, even though I don't really know what that means. Permanency, I guess. I think it's a permanent job. Yeah, yeah. right. But uh, it, it's about their navigation and how they uh, and and the changing sort of status of their role and their job and how that isn't necessarily what they signed up for. Right. Okay. Uh, Someone's texting in to say it looks good, but I can't stand Sandra O. Oh. oh. 
Well, then it's probably not for you. It's, it's definitely not for you. But I, I just find that hard to imagine that somebody could say they can't stand Sandra Oh. Well, I think this is a very good marriage of her of her abilities, right? Like I, um, you know, I, I liked her in... Uh, I liked Killing her Eve. In, yeah. I loved her yeah, Killing right. Eve and I, you know, I liked her even in Grey's Anatomy yeah. way back when, right? And she made a very brave choice to leave Grey's Anatomy at the time that she did because her career you know, faltered for probably a decade before Killing Eve came along and mm. really gave her that that push. And this showcases ex- excellently her dramatic skills as well as her comedic timing because it's just so quick and pacey and yet packs a real emotional punch every now and again, particularly towards the end, uh, where you see her interacting with people that she's friends with and having to make very difficult decisions. Yeah, And she does that really, really, really well. Right, okay, yes, yeah, okay, I'm sold. I was going to watch it anyway, but I'm even more sold now. Uh, right, uh, the next big uh, uh, title uh, this week, uh, this is the new uh, Big Little Lies, I suppose. It's Nine Perfect Strangers, new episodes every Friday on Amazon Video Prime. Here's a clip. You know, uh, I almost didn't come. <laughs> and then, when I did get here, I really thought about leaving. Nearly everyone here almost didn't come. I sense it's going to take courage. And it'll be sometimes unpleasant. And I'll tell you something else. The people who come here, most of them, they have fairly good lives, comfortable even. They come for the suffering. I don't want to suffer. You're already suffering. Right. There we go. Uh, the... Uh... It's, the, the parallels of like you know rich whiny white people uh, kind of <laughs> comparisons are, are all there already in that clip so again give us the pedigree so the pedigree here is is pretty stellar as well right so it's from David E. Kelly although he only uh, he might have only directed even one of the episodes uh, but he he adapted Big Little Lies from this novel by Leanne Moriarty this Australian writer and since that she published this book Nine Perfect Strangers and he adapted that with Nicole Kidman on produ- production duty and you heard her there doing a somewhat uh, passable Russian American accent and wearing a, a Elsa blonde wig <laughs> <laughs> And then you also have Melissa McCarthy. Sorry, Nicole Kidman plays Masha, who is this sort of like guru, uh, vaguely cultish leader of this wellness retreat called Tranquillum, which is for very wealthy people. And uh, then the other cast are essentially the nine perfect strangers, the different guests who are, or I guess guests is the right word, who have come to stay for 10 days at this wellness retreat and, uh, you know, bear their souls and perhaps have bury some hatchets and and reveal some dark secrets. And I'm sure it'll all probably end with somebody getting murdered, <laughs> somebody getting murdered. <laughs> but they haven't revealed that yet, even as a teaser. Uh, the other people we have on the list are Bobby Cannavale, uh, who plays a... Uh, a former American footballer who's dealing with um, a drug addiction. You have Michael Shannon, uh, who's part of this uh, trio. So two parents and a, a 21-year-old daughter who are dealing with the suicide of the daughter's twin brother some years earlier. You have Luke Evans as the mysterious uh, 
the mysterious gay one basically yes. uh, Lars who is definitely up to no good Samara Weaving who um, people would know from Ready or Not she's actually the niece of Hugo Weaving the, the ah, Australian right. actor but she is a star to be she like she she was in Hollywood she's been in a few other things everything that she's in she is excellent so she's just like a star on the rise Regina Hall who is best known for scary movies but was recently in this very critically acclaimed movie called For the Girls and Manny Jacinto who was from uh, The Good Place and basically uh, I have to admit I don't know where we are right because three episodes in it's been a very 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 slow unroll uh, I, I haven't read the book so I don't know where the plot is going and really I have no idea where it's going to go in the next five episodes but I'm not necessarily that enthused to find out either I, oh. for me it's a bit like uh, it, it's like when um, Nicole Kidman and David E. Kelly went off to make The Undoing that murder one the only thing I remember about which is her green coat right yeah. <laughs> because I, you know I started that and it didn't hook me I just didn't care ultimately whether Hugh Grant did it or not I, I don't know if he did or didn't yeah. right you did uh, okay. sorry ruined it on everybody yeah. well, no well that was the annoying thing about it was that you know it, it, at the end, it was like, oh, OK. OK. So there was no did he didn't he at all. Yeah. So, so far, it's just, I, I'm just, yeah, nothing has quite hooked me, right? So the thing about the White Lotus that, uh, that sort of hooked me is each individual group story would almost have made its own kind of yeah, interesting yeah. movie to watch. Whereas here, because of the nature of the wellness retreat, all of the individual guests are actually deliberately brought together but then they're made to do kind of silly things, right? So like they do, a, you know, a, like a, a jumping or like a, a potato sack race or they go off and do a bit of skinny dipping and they're supposed to be bearing their souls to each other. But three episodes in, I think they're supposed to be maybe three days into this 10 day retreat. They haven't really, you know, broken down their barriers and they're not bearing their souls yet. And any of the kind of major plot moving parts haven't really, really happened yet. Mm. All we do know is that Masha uh, survived being shot in a uh, in, in a car park and is drugging her patients and we get uh, drugging them. And we do okay. we, we that's not a spoiler. You get that mm. pretty much early on. It's very stylish, certainly. Uh, this is, <laughs> if you ask me, where would I rather stay, the White Lotus or uh, Tranquillum? Probably Tranquillum. It is a beautiful, okay. like modernist. And it's in the states. It's not in Australia. Or it's, it, well, it was filmed in Australia, but it's supposed to be California. Ah, but right. Okay. In the novel, it is Australia. But anyway, who cares? Mm. But all in all, um, after uh, you know, uh, we're not quite at the midway point. The next episode is the fourth of eight of eight. Something really epic needs to happen or else I'm just going to find my my interest waning big time. Right, okay. And Melissa McCarthy? Melissa McCarthy is very funny in it. She and Bobby Cannavale are playing, uh, have a lot of their scenes together. And uh, there's a great scene involving her asleep in a swimming pool that I won't spoil that does have a good payoff. But she, everyone is kind of, everyone is in a different show, right? Melissa McCarthy is doing kind of snarky broad comedy <laughs> Nicole Kidman is doing oh, weird God. cultish madness Regina uh, Regina Hall is doing even uh, very strange weirdness it's, everyone is in a different show and it hasn't quite gelled for me Right okay because no I, it was only because I was interested because you know in Can You Ever Forgive Me she she kind of broke oh, out of that She's brilliant in that yeah, yeah. She broke out of that mould so it's disappointing to hear she's gone back into it again. <laughs> uh, that, that is a shame. Uh, and Claire says, uh, oh, we all obviously know Samara from Home and Away. 
It was her breakout role. No, I didn't, well, I'm a neighbor. I didn't mom. know that. Sorry. Uh, that was <laughs> unaware of that too. Sorry. Uh, does Nicole Kidman equal a radioactive Mr. Burns emerging from the woods saying, I bring you peace and love? Uh, that actually, he looks a bit like Nicole Kidman. <laughs> Fair. And if that had happened, it probably would have piqued my interest a bit more than the weird kind of quasi uh, guru stuff she's been doing, which really hasn't been anything except saying things very slowly and quietly in a way that's supposed to be incredibly profound. Right. Okay. Is she kind of chanting? Uh, um, you know the whole goop thing is, is perhaps there a bit of a I think there, dig there at might, that? yeah there might be some references to that yeah yeah okay <laughs> right uh, our third show is quite different from the first two it's Changing Rooms uh, it's running on Wednesdays at 8pm on Channel 4 you can catch up on all four here's a clip why hair? well we genuinely travel the world to see design we went to a really cool VIP bar you can imagine the scene Brooklyn bougie you know very oh, trendy wow. And there was a cushion made of hair and we thought, oh my God, that is so cool. The whole kind of Las Vegas thing, immediately we thought of showgirls and glamorous drag queens and it does look like, doesn't it? That middle one does look like, couldn't it? But perhaps we could give it a bit of a relaxer. A bit of a condition for her. Oh, look at that. Ta-da! Ta-da! This is a ta-da! The term bougie didn't exist when this show started. Uh, so is this a reboot? It's a reboot from the, the BBC 90s show, mm. which has undergone a bit of a kind of cult renaissance as a almost like Alan Partridge-esque type show, right? <laughs> because if you, you know, uh, Scott Bryan, who was a TV writer for BuzzFeed in 2017, he wrote this article where he just listed uh, like 15 makeovers from changing rooms and it is worth seeking out because I, mean, I guess we didn't know better in the in the <laughs> 90s so certainly I didn't because I was like a child but uh, I mean this, the the decor on that that they left these people with in their yeah. houses was absolutely rubbish. I yeah. mean, appallingly bad stuff. Probably cost them more to just paint it white. <laughs> but um, this time around, they've brought it back. So uh, Carol Smiley is gone and has been replaced by Anna Richardson. Lawrence Llewellyn Bone knows his market and he is back uh, as one of the constant designers and then the other house is done by a duo named Jordan Cluro and Russell Whitehead who came up with this thing that they were talking about in that clip which was essentially like you know a two by four that's about three metres long and one metre down with blonde wigs just hanging and like I read somewhere it was like someone had <laughs> chopped an Afghan hound <laughs> in half. Or a serial killer's lair. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So uh, the, what I actually thought about this was it, one thing that they have done is they've gotten rid of the budget. So it used to be that they had to do the changing room. They had to change the room in mm. a £500 budget. And uh, I think if they went over, who cared? But that was the whole premise. £500 was what you were supposed to spend. There was no talk of budget this time around. And it's also sponsored by Dulux. So you can see... Okay, they will of, paint it white. <laughs> <laughs> there's nobody painting white. In fact, every single room had multiple, multiple colours in it. When they did the reveals, I just... it. it it was breathtakingly bad design. I oh, mean, no. who am I to say that? But still, and and there was some enjoyment to be had. You know, if you if you're looking for kind of very mindless hangover television, right? I could think of nothing more enjoyable than to spend forty five minutes watching <laughs> two idiots have a room in their house absolutely destroyed. <laughs> you know, 
as you say, in the 90s, maybe none of us people knew, knew yeah. much better. We thought maybe Lawrence Willem Bowman ha- had some sort of proper job. But now it's they are actually literally going into people's houses and destroying them. It's, it's <laughs> well, I mean, it's only a, yeah, it is only a room at the end of the day. Like in one of the rooms, it was like peacock fantasy and he put a, a hanging bench suspended on like four <laughs> cables. And this was, <laughs> he was like, you'd sit there for hours and watch TV. And I thought, I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, especially when, when your ceiling collapses uh, and you've got a, a huge structural difficulties. And does Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen still look the same? Still like foppish things on Foppish. The, he, he had leather pants on. He, you know, he, he was trying to create, it, it was in Swansea and he was trying to create this sort of like Indian palace aesthetic in this living room. And it was, I mean, it is worth seeking out even as much as the bad ones of, of the 90s. It is worth even just seeing what they did to these people's houses because it really was breathtakingly bad. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of, yeah, kind of want to see it now. James, thanks a million as ever. James Dempsey, there you are listening to The Moncrief Show on News Talk. We're going to take a break back in a couple of minutes. Lunchtime Live on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. 